Our scripture reading today is found in Philippians chapter 3, verse 18 through 21. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Good morning, everyone. What a wonderful, wonderful day today. As I look out there, I see a lot of old faces, people visiting here um, from out of town. And I see God working in you. It's wonderful to know that God's kingdom is bigger than any one church. That the church is meant to flourish in many different ways throughout all of time. And that any individual church is is born, but churches die as well. But God's kingdom will always advance. And so for those of you who are visiting, uh, old friends and, and newcomers who are here, we pray that God's vision of his kingdom as expressed through his churches may give you hope and joy in this present life and also in the life to come. Today in our message, we will be talking about weeping, crying, mourning. We will be talking about having emotions and that emotions that we are to have should be healthy emotions. In fact, in our world today, we talk much about emotional health. We talk about that we have to be in tune with how we are feeling in order to sort of be able to um, express ourselves, but also to handle the stresses that, that come in our lives. In fact, for many of us, emotions is the way we sort of keep in touch with who we are when we get angry when we have sorrow, but also when we have joy and elation. It's incumbent upon us as Christians to be emotionally healthy. A church should not be emotionally dead. A church should not be emotionally sort of, let's be be ascetics and sort of just suck it up and just go through life, clench our teeth and roll up our fists and just wait until everything is done and finished. But we as a church, we as God's people are supposed to have ups, are supposed to have downs. That the solution to the difficulties of life is not to shut down. But the solution to the difficulties and the joys of life is to weep with Jesus, mourn with Jesus, rejoice with Jesus, and get excited with Jesus himself. We would find it odd, would we not, if we saw 
a parent not embrace their child and have a heart of joy and be very proud when their kid succeeds in something? Perhaps the first time they lift up their head and, and they're like, listen, look at my Facebook post, look at my Instagram. My kid just lifted up their head for the very first time. A lot of us would be like, you're crazy, but we understand. A parent should rejoice. On the other hand, we would find a disconnect with the emotion of a parent if the child was hurt and the parent simply withdrew. We'd be like, there's a disconnect here. Because we understand that there are certain experiences in life and certain appropriate reactions that all of us must have. We live in the South. South is football. Football is the South. You find someone's a UGA fan, Virginia Tech fan. If they win and they rejoice, okay, they, they, they love their school. If they lose and they, if they didn't feel down, if they didn't feel devastated, you'd be like, ah, they're not a real fan. They're not a real fan. And in fact, us people who grew up here in Atlanta, many of you here, I've seen many of you have already deadened yourself because of professional sports. The teams just don't win or don't lose, don't, don't win. But the true fan out there, just like the Chicago Cubs fan way back in the day, they wear everything out on their sleeve because it's proper and it's emotionally healthy what God wants us to do. Here in this passage today, I want to sort of focus on one emotion and on one circumstance by which we know that we are a healthy church, by which you know that your heart is healthy towards the Lord and that your heart has not gotten hardened or your heart has not gotten distracted but that you are on that road to a spiritual, emotionally healthy man and woman of God. In verse 18, Paul speaks about those who are lost. And he says in this passage, for many of whom I have often told you, and I'll tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. For us as God's people, we have a historical perspective that's very different from the rest of the world. For many people, life is just here today. Tomorrow will come and we'll deal with tomorrow with tomorrow. Perhaps there are some people who will look beyond themselves and perhaps their children, perhaps a generation or two generations, and they see that as their eternity. But to them, life is simply a series of actions, of relationships with people, of work, of hobbies. But for us as God's people, we have an ultimate idea of what history is. We understand that there is an end, that there is a goal, there, there is a finish line. 
And that finish line is when the Lord returns. And when that when the Lord returns, we understand humbly because our God is just, because our God is holy, that there will be a day of judgment. For the modern mind, this does not compute or register. For the modern mind, this is an anathema. Judgment. A God who will judge people. A God who will separate himself from a human being for all of eternity. And yet when we read scripture and we see that God has revealed himself it's not simply a God of love, of God of judgment, that there will be a day of reckoning. Paul is very much in tune with this. It is why he went to the Gentiles to share the good news of Christ so that many, many would be saved. His heart was softened toward those who were lost. And his desire was for as many, many people to hear the gospel. And out of those many, many people who hear, some may come to believe in him. Paul is a Paul was an apostle who felt deeply in his heart the ramifications of those who did not know the Lord. And it was with deep sorrow that he would think on such things. In Romans chapter 9, Paul also discusses this whole idea of a judgment day. And he flips it around. He talks about God being the God who elects his people, who chooses his people. Now, this isn't a sermon about election, but this is a sermon about how Paul deals with that truth. Paul realized that he loves, God loves some for salvation and others he's placed aside for destruction. Jacob I loved but Esau I hated. And Paul is trying to wrap his mind around that and I think many of us here still try to wrap our minds around the doctrine of election. But one thing that he says and does impacted me greatly when I read that and, and, and should be with all of you. It says that when Paul thought about these things, it grieved him. That he states, you know, if it were possible, I would give up my own salvation in order for these people to be saved. 
if it were possible, I would give up my own relationship with God so that they would have a relationship with God. Paul's heart and his love for those who did not know God wasn't simply an exercise of the mind, but it was an exercise of the heart. Now for many of us, we might think, if I think about this all the time, I will be an emotional wreck all the time. And that is true. But one thing you cannot do is simply deaden your heart to this truth where you stop weeping for those who do not know God. There should be places and times in your life as you pray unto the Lord for those who are around you for salvation that you pray with tears in your eyes. This is healthy. This is what a Christian does. These are emotions that we rejoice in. That those who do not know the Lord would come to know him. That even maybe some of you would say, in your heart, as Paul did in Romans 9. I wish I could give up my salvation so that my people, the Israelites who do not know him, will come to know him. We as a church must take these truths and exercise them and let those emotions spill over just like it is right to weep when your football team loses. It is. It's right to weep when your children are going through a difficult time. It is right for the church to weep over those who are lost. Now, one of the reasons why it's hard to weep over the lost it's because we often don't think of them as lost at all. We forget. We hang around with, these, with, with people all the time, but we never want to ask the question about their faith. We don't want to sort of delve into that because the cost is high. Right? The emotional cost is high. When you get to know someone who does not know the Lord and you delve into a deeper relationship, the cost is high for yourself to be friends, to hang out together, to go fishing, go to an event together. And as you talk about family, as you talk about dreams and wishes and you hear their troubles and you hear their heart, what happens is there's a part of you, right, church, that says, you just need Jesus. You just need to know Jesus. 
have to be willing to delve into those areas of life with people. To weep with them and weep over them as well. They are lost. They are enemies of the cross. They do need to be saved by our Lord. And you yourselves are that vehicle that God has called. There are some of us here who have a a difficult time with this because we ourselves do not yet understand fully that we have been saved by grace. Let me say this again. There are some of us here, let me put it this way, there's all all of us here, need to continue to grow and know that we are saved by grace. That allows us to love those who need him. Look at this passage. Look at what it says. These people, we use the word lost, and that's appropriate. We, we see that in the Gospels. Um, um, Jesus has used it a lot in his parables about the lost coin. But here, Paul talks about them as enemies of the cross. He talks about their end is destruction. He says their God is their belly. He says they glory in their shame. He says their minds are only set on earthly things. This is a harsh diagnosis in a world that simply wants to soften everything. This diagnosis says that the people who do not know the Lord are simply enemies of God. That they are fighting him that they intentionally follow their gut, their stomach that they intentionally flout what God has done in them making them in his image to worship him in verse 29 he says but our citizenship is in heaven and from it we wait a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. When we understand that God saved us while we were enemies of God, that by sheer grace he took us out of the path of destruction to the path of life, that there is nothing that we brought to the table to be saved. We just know that from the teaching of God's word, the preaching of God's word, the love of fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, that somehow one day we woke up and we said to ourselves, oh my goodness, I believe this really strange thing that I'm a sinner Wow, I really believe that Jesus saved me. Wow, I really believe that 
I am different from this world. That I was an enemy of God. I was just someone looking for some, some spiritual help in my life. I was an enemy of God. And he saved me. And you wake up to that reality. Not like opening a fridge and going, oh, look, there's orange juice here today. Oh, nice. And you take this up. No, you wake up to that reality. You open the fridge and you see that the fridge is limitless. That you see God's provision and God's love is limitless. And your worldview changes. And no matter how bright you are, when people ask you why you believe in Jesus, you say something silly. You feel like a little kid. You go, I believe because um, he just showed himself to me. <laughs> I believe I'm a sinner. I believe I'm I, I believe in him. The gospel humbles the brightest minds and lifts those who are simple. And it's when we receive the joy, that salvation, and the life that we have the greater joy we have in the salvation, the greater our weeping will be for those who do not know the Lord. And so we as God's people, when we look at what God has done for us, we have mercy on others. There are many of us, though, here, all of us, when we read a passage like this, the first thing that comes into our head is, yeah, God saved us. You who are out there, God's judging you. <laughs> this is where you are. I'm over here. You're over there. Now, Paul makes that delineation. But when he delineates, his heart is full of complications, joy in his salvation, but sorrow for the lost. We as God's people must be emotionally healthy not in the way the world wants us to be emotionally healthy. But to rejoice in the things God rejoices in, weep in the, over the things that God weeps over. It is okay for our church as a whole to go through times of anger over sin. It's healthy for our church at times to, to mourn and really cry and to, to, to hate death. And of course, it's right for us to rejoice when we see salvation is near. Did not Christ Jesus, being fully man and fully human, exhibit all these ranges of emotions? He did not come as a lawyer without emotion and simply check off 
all the legal aspects that God has demanded for us to gain salvation and hand us a paper and say, saved, go your merry way. But isn't it Jesus who is tempted in every way? In the conflict in his heart and he was able to, to walk away? Wasn't it Jesus who wept when Lazarus died? Even though he knew he was going to raise him from the dead just moments later. Why? It's proper to weep. Wasn't it proper for Jesus when he was on the cross to be in pain and in agony and to express that? Isn't it proper for all of us when we see the reality, the brokenness and sin? That we don't simply give platitudes and say, don't worry, God is in there, God will help you. But as Jesus did, go through the weeping, go through the mourning, and yes, go through pain. Experience death as Christ has experienced death, that we may experience life as Christ has experienced life. It's okay. So practically here in our church, a couple things. First, it's okay in the beginning, okay, not all the time, it's okay in the beginning when you're with your friend, when you're with a brother or sister, to just unload. It's okay. And it's okay for you as a friend to just hear and listen. Hear their pain, hear their agony, hear their stress, hear them shake their fist at God. Let them mourn. It's okay. It's okay for you to listen. It's okay to cry with people and to rejoice with people. It's amazing. When you let the Holy Spirit work, especially here in a context like this, The Spirit is one of the greatest counselors. And oftentimes, people already know what they need to do and need to believe about God that is inhibiting them from really having fellowship with Him. But that all they need is a listening ear to share everything, all their doubts, all their complaints. And it's wonderful to watch the Spirit work in them and they simply say to you, but you know what? I still believe. God is still good. 
So number one, be a good listener. But number two, don't shy away from your emotions that God has given you. And when someone unloads on you with their emotions, don't get freaked out. (laughs) Don't get freaked out. Just like everything in life, we learn a lot by trial and error, and then God, by His Spirit and His wisdom, teaches us more how to use our mind, teaches us more how to use our, our resources, teaches us more about how to love other people, teaches us more about our emotions. Let us be a church that truly loves what God loves, truly hates what God hates. Let us not be a church with that simply raises our emotions simply for the sake of ourselves. That's not good either. But let us be a church whose emotions are in tune with the truths of God. For he loved us, and he loved us much. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we praise you and we worship you. Lord, we thank you for the gift of our emotions that helps us to express, Lord, our love for you and it helps us to express our desire to see the lost one over. And we ask of you, Lord God, to let us never be deadened in our hearts. Help us, Lord, to take chances and let our emotions go, in a sense, and to wrestle with them according to your gospel, according to your spirit, that we may be healthy people, spiritually healthy people. So, Lord, at this moment, we, we do pray, Lord, for those who are enemies of the cross, just like we once were before we knew you. Lord, there are family members. There are friends. These are not people who've come into our lives by accident, but you've appointed them to us to share the good news, to love them, Lord, with action, with truth, to be wise, Lord, in how we interact with them in many different ways. But Lord, at this point, we we come to you in your holy place, Lord God, asking you just for one thing. We ask that they would come to know you, that they would share the joy that we share, that they they would no longer walk as enemies of the cross, but that one day we would hear from their own lips that Jesus is my Lord too, that one day we could share a meal together talking about the Bible, talking about you, talking about how you have saved us, talk about your glory. We long for that day, Lord God. So our heart weeps. And our prayers go forth with deep emotion. Lord God, help us as your people 
to never forget, but always to love. For you have loved us. You have given us joy. And you have given us, Lord, the duty and the opportunity to share the same love to all. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.